0: You're listening to Sweet and Sir Radio Hour from WMBG Radio. All right, everyone. So before we begin, just a couple of quick administrative items. So (laughs) we're going to start off. We're going to do this as if it's a true podcast. Uh, Clarabeth is recording, and we will make sure to send everyone the audio files after the fact. Um, I am going to start off as the host, but if we decide in future weeks somebody else wants to host, we of course welcome open applications. Anyone can take this role. We'd be happy to have you. Um, And the idea with this was it was born from a place where we as the grandkids missed sitting around with sweet mom and sir on the porch or in the blue room uh, just chatting and telling stories and hearing about their life during covid not just during covid but their life in general and so we figured we could gather virtually in the blue room and get everyone together so that we could share stories about their lives their childhood their experiences so that we can learn from them and just have a good laugh on a sunday evening so without further ado we'll go ahead and get started i am going to mute everyone so that we can hear sweet mama and sir well throughout um, throughout the conversation. But the way that we're going to organize tonight is we will have 15 minutes at the beginning where sir will share uh, the prompt uh, answer the question uh, that I have for him and then sweet mama will have 15 minutes of the floor by herself. And then we will do 20 minutes of them sharing stories together. And the last 10 minutes will be open to questions if people have them uh if you feel inspired from their stories please feel free to chime in so up until that last 10 minutes everyone will be muted but without further ado i would like to bring drum roll please the man the myth the legend sir richard newman (laughs) (laughs) sir welcome to the podcast thank you so much for joining us today
1: well uh um, particularly today. Um, and so what I'm going to do is it, it sounds like you're going to ask me questions, yep. but um, I want to tell you that I'm not going to answer them. I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. And uh, so, uh, uh Probably they'll be a lot better than your questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are older than wiser, so I feel like oh, you have more
1: in this. That's I know, I'll, is this too dark? Can you see me okay?
0: Yeah, this is perfect.
1: Yeah, okay, good. So, what I want to do is to tell you um, one of our beginnings. And uh, that was. Um, And the year was 1962. And uh, we were married that year. And uh, it was uh, on August the 18th in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. And the little church was Our Lady of Victories. And it was a small Catholic church in Cleveland. Um, but that's where it all, our official uh, team began. And um, so we had a very short wedding. And uh, in those days, um, the church suggested you don't eat before you go to communion. Mm-hmm. So everything happened rapidly. And people wanted to eat, and so so our wedding was at ten o'clock in the morning. And uh, Father Patrick Hamlin was our our priest. Father Hamlin was from Ireland, and uh, he had a very strong Irish bro. And uh, part of it had to do well, part of the wedding. That was, it was a lot unknown at the time is that we uh, didn't think Dee, Dinky's mother, was going to come to the wedding. And uh, so at the last minute, she agreed to come to the church. She'd never been in the Catholic Church in her life. And uh, she came at the last minute to do the rehearsal wedding, which all she did was walk in, but she was escorted by her son, Pat. And um, he walked her up to where she was going to be seated. And she no sooner got to the door than Father Hanley says, Oh, sure it's Mrs. Dalton. Come right in, Mrs. Dalton. Sit right up here. And uh, it completely startled her. And uh, her daughter. <laughs> and also. And uh, so that was a, a wonderful, warming invitation that he had to um, uh, invite her come in, to come in. So uh, the next day, Our wedding was at 10, and uh, it was already, this was August 18th in the Mississippi Delta. So you might guess that the temperature was around uh, 93 and 94 at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's the way things go in Mississippi. And uh, so the people came in out of church, which was not air-conditioned. And uh, came into the little reception area, uh, which was next door. And it was about the size of the den that I'm in now. And uh, we had a few people as guests of the wedding. And they were uh, kind of jammed in there. But they all had their best hats on and their best dresses on. And uh, so we greeted all of them. And we got in my my car, we told everybody goodbye and they all wished us good luck. And uh, we jumped into my, my blue 57 Ford Fairlane and started off down the street. And Dinkies, one of her high school friends, had put a red smoke bomb on the back of her, our car. And we took off riding down the street in this complete uh, red cloud of smoke. You couldn't see the car. You couldn't see us. You couldn't see (laughs) anything. He was in the National Guard, so he stole a couple of our bombs and uh, put them on the back of our car. And so we took off, and that's the way we began a ride up the so I just, um, wanted to say that, uh, well, on the way to our trip, I was taking Dinky to Paris and, uh, except it was Paris, Tennessee, not Paris, France. And uh, so we didn't make it to Paris by that time, Clara. And, uh, about three miles, three hours into the journey, uh, we had a, a mechanical problem with my new car, and uh, we had to take a couple hours to find somebody who could fix it for us. So we did that, and we got to our arriving place in Harris, Tennessee, at about uh, 8 to 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> we been driving. It was a long way from Cleveland to Paris. And uh, on Lake Kentucky. And we were going to go fishing. Uh, it was a fishing camp. Uh, I had selected for this. For our charming evening. So we did. We At that night we didn't go fishing. But um, the next day we did. The next day after that. And one funny thing that happened. Is that the. Uh, Dinky said to my uncle Bob, who was from Jackson, Michigan, at the wedding. She said, "Well, uh, he said we'll be driving that way, you know, day or tomorrow." She said, "Well, y'all stop by and see us here." And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, Uncle Bob got a road map, found where Paris, Tennessee, was, showed up on our honeymoon. <laughs> And we said, oh, hi, Uncle Bob. I said, how are you doing, Nicky? i just fine. So <laughs> Uncle Bob and Aunt Margaret spent the day with us. That was uh, fun. But we were in a one-room one cabin, so there wasn't a lot of room for them to spend the night. They went on to Jackson. So that's what we did for our honeymoon. And... Uh, I just thought I'd start off with the way we started. Well, the next thing we did was we uh, drove home, got the furniture we needed, I think was two chairs, not all we had. And uh, so then we went up to University of Mississippi where I was... uh, going to be finished my final semester there inky had just graduated the previous month or two uh, from her college and so I had one more semester uh, to complete my erratic college uh, progress it was unlike yours Emma I uh, I did <laughs> I did graduate however, with the exact sea average. If I had one tenth of a percentage point below that, I wouldn't have gone to Ole <laughs> I was finished, uh, but I did graduate, which was uh, uh, hearty news to me. And uh, I later made up for that a little bit, but it took uh, more time. Is
0: that where you got the title, King of the Valley of Mediocrity? <laughs> I think you invented that one for yourself.
1: That's not part of the story, and I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> that that's, that's a later uh, later portion of this. <laughs> Perfect. <Continue. laughs> As a matter of fact, that is something I thought about when I uh, gave myself that crown. But, uh, so I, and, uh, you know, I, I produced generations who, uh, did have P- uh, PhDs and doctorates children that went on and got their master's degrees, things like that. Mm-hmm. Very smart. It's amazing how someone with, uh, see average getting out of college can have children produce like that. And you say, well, in, what in Smith's family? Uh, well, you know, story of, of education and who we grew.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Sir, I have a question for you before Sweet Mama comes back. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us what you think sweet mama would say the most memorable moment was of your wedding day
1: of our wedding day
0: yeah what do you think sweet mama <clears throat> what was the most memorable
1: well it, uh of course that's a day that you know things lots of things happen mm-hmm. um <clears throat> And I would say, I would say the, the people who came to the wedding, uh, not the least of whom was her mother. Yeah. For her mother to be there, because throughout the entire time, she really didn't think she was coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did show up. She was beautiful. She looked lovely. She had dressed and all. And uh, her father showed up in the most beautiful tuxedo. And uh, he had never had a tuxedo on in his life. And he had five children before her that were married. Mm -hmm. And he came in a tuxedo. She had to go to Memphis to get some. For Memphis right. was about a two hour drive or so. Mm-hmm. So, probably her father and mother oh, being me. there.
0: Now, I'm uh, going to ask her the same thing I just asked you. So, for you, what was the most memorable moment of your wedding day? Oh, well, for me? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to put uh, her hot seat as well to see if she can. She can think what yours would have been.
1: Oh, you've got okay, but it's, it's <laughs> so. This is a trick of some kind, right?
0: Yep, <laughs> it's the. she wanted it to be based off of the newlyweds. Well,
1: so I, awesome. actually, uh, it was. It was not. It was not even close. To see her in her wedding gown and her uh, beautiful. Blonde hair. Uh, I mean, she was just absolutely gorgeous.
2: Aww. And
1: uh, oh, and there she is now.
2: <laughs> is it time for
0: me? Can we invite Sweet Mama into the hot seat?
1: Well, <clears throat> we didn't get very far. I
2: spend, I'm watching the clock. Is that 15 minutes, Maddie? Yeah, you did. Okay. Thank okay. uh, so you
0: invite you back here in just a minute so that we can continue this story okay so much for this first 15 minutes
1: i guess i it took a little longer i didn't have a script you know i didn't i didn't edit anything
0: I that's just, perfect that's what we wanted so, uh,
1: okay. so i could have gotten it a lot shorter I. but uh
0: no it was okay. that's what we wanted good job all right, it was Gracie amazing.
1: girl, would you take that hat off, please? I love your hair so much more than that hat. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> all right, Dara, we'll see you soon. <laughs> Gracie, I'm dying.
1: <laughs> that hair,
0: girlfriend, we all are obsessed. <laughs> Okay, sweet mama. Hey, I'm in the hot seat, Please huh? For the queen, sweet mama. Sweet mama, welcome. <laughs> we are so happy to have you here. I'm so happy Thank to you. hear your side of the story. So we just sat down, as you know, for 15 minutes with Sir, and we got to hear him talk about the early days of your marriage and your honeymoon. So we would like to put you in the hot seat and hear if you'd like to talk, well, really it's whatever you'd like to talk about, but we also have a prompt if you would want to talk about your courtship and the early days, since we are on the theme of love with it being Valentine's Day. So it is, the floor is yours. You have 15 minutes to share whatever you'd like. And if you want, I can interject with questions or we can, we can just hear your story.
2: Hmm. Well, I think you all know the story of um, when Sir came to Mississippi. And that was in 1956. And um, he came into the auditorium where we were having weekly chapel. And we stood on our feet and we sang, going to hang all the Yankees from the Southern Apple Tree. And there he was, about six feet tall. His neck was about this big around. His hair was in a box cut, um, nice dose of acne, and I thought, oh, who is that person? So I came home from school, and my brother, AC, who was working at Baxter at the time, said, oh, Dickie, she said, there's a, a new family that just moved into town, and they have a son that's going to be in your class. So maybe um, maybe you could just kind of introduce them around, and I went, oh, no. Don't think so. Saw that when not not doing it. So that was when we were sophomores. And so by the time we were seniors, he was beginning to look a little bit better. And um, he had a great sense of humor. And he had gotten in a couple of fights and won. And so it was like, oh, maybe maybe he is okay. Um, I had a little misgiving when we were sitting in – Algebra class and going over some grading papers and uh, Miss Bobo was calling out the answers and it was like, you know, 13, 26, whatever. And this voice yells, bingo! And it was like, oh, oh, this is not going to be pretty. So the principal came and and drugged Mr. Dick Newman out of the class and said, you know, if you'd like to stay here, son, you're going to have to behave yourself. So... um, after that, Jake Newman decided to behave himself, and um, he became quite a likable person. So by the time we were seniors in high school, uh, I think the fire had been lit. I could tell a lot of stories about that, but um, we went to our senior prom together, and I think one of the prompt questions that, that uh, Clara had, had sent Kind of got me thinking. Um, it was talking, she was asking about, you know, how do you form a relationship for the rest of your life? How do you know when that is the person? So I can say without any hesitation, other than I get a little choked up, sometimes I was thinking about it. Um, we had graduated from high school. I was working at the um, radio station. He was working measuring cotton, and in the afternoon, late afternoon in the summer, he picked me up from work, and we went over to his house that was about a block away from the Catholic Church. And um, we were playing cards, playing um, Jim Remy's back. His grandfather was there, Grandpa Mike, um, loved it when I won. He loved me, and I loved him back um, because I would go into a chorus of um, – it's a woman's world, ask any man, it's a woman's world. And so poor Sir, if he lost a cards, he had to listen to a verse of the song. And Grandpa Mike would just wore in laughter so, so we're having a grand old time, and there's a knock at the door. And this young man is standing there, I would say, in his early 30s or so. And he said, is this the rectory? And the Sir said... I uh, know the referee's just around the corner over there. Can I help you? And he says, yeah, I was just there, and nobody was, was home. He said, I'm looking for some help. And Sarah said, um, well, can I help you? And he said, well, no, I just need to talk to the priest. He said, I'm on my way to Texas, and um, we have run out of money. We've run out of food. I have three children. We have enough to stay at the Cleveland Motel tonight. And so I'm hoping that Father can help us. And Sarah said, well, you know, he's right over there. Uh, I'll go and check on him later and be sure that he gets your message. So this guy left and started playing cards again. And all of a sudden Sarah says, I'll be right back. And then he came back in the living room and he says, come on, let's go. And we got in the car and we drove to the Cleveland Motel and he got out of the car and knocked on the door and he had with him a pickle jar that was about this big and it was filled with change. There's no telling how many years change had been going into that pickle jar. He could hardly lift it and he had a couple of puzzles and a Monopoly game and um, unloaded them from the car, knocked on the door. This same man came to the door and sir gives him everything he had. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and thinking, wow, wow. So he gets back in the car and he says, that was Gary. That was my friend Gary and his family. They're on their way to Texas again. He says, I think they've got enough to make it, but I got to call father when we get home and be sure. Mm -hmm. So when we got back to the house, his mom was there and he said, Oh, you know that pickle jar that I had in my room? I just took it out and you what? It's like what? And so he says, Yeah, and I told Gary I was gonna pray for him. So fast forward we're married four years later. And I said to him, Hey Dick, you remember that, that guy that came to the door that day? He says, yeah, Gary. I said, do you still pray for Gary? He says, yeah, every night. Mm. Now that's when you know you got somebody. Yeah, that's when I knew in my heart and we broke up several times. Things were not, it was not a, a smooth sailing from 1958 to 1962, but there was never in my heart, any question. Um, to the point that in 1960, when I moved to Texas and my little little sister, Annie Pendleton, comes in and she tells a story that I'm sitting on the bed and I've got my cowboy hat on and i got my ukulele going and she comes in the room and I said, I said, hey, my name's Dinky Dalton. If you like me, you hate him. And Sarah's picture was up on my dresser. She said, that was always pretty confusing. <laughs> if you hated him so much. Why was his picture sitting right there on your dresser? So, like I say, it was, it was an interesting road back. And um, yeah, and it's a happy, ever happy story. Ta da! Ta da!
0: <laughs> I remember something too vaguely about a phone call.
2: Was there a phone call that
0: happened at one point, maybe over Yeah, the- there was
2: a phone call when I was uh, at camp at Heart of the Hills in Texas. And um, I had been in town. San Antonio for my day off. And I came back and I was told that there had been a phone call from Idaho. And um, I was to return this number. It seems that, sir, that was, we were seniors in college then. We hadn't spoken for about a year. And um, it was the um, Sonny Liston, Cassius Clay fight, boxing match. And sir won the big pot of money. So the first thing he did was go to the phone and called me. So we started talking again. And um, that was in the summer. He picked me up at the airport in Jackson when we were seniors. So that was December of 61. And we were married in August of
0: 62. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I vaguely remember when he picked you up. Did he take you to your house
2: right away? Uh, well, we had to drive from Jackson, and I got off of the prop plane. And interestingly, my um, my college friends had given me a shoebox um, that they had carefully wrapped a bottle of Bacardi rum in the shoebox. So I had you know, my suitcase and my shoebox of Bacardi, not knowing what in the world it was going to be like or feel like, and I got off the plane. I remember walking down the steps out of the plane, and he was there. And he had on a, a black—it's like a cashmere overcoat. I'm sure it wasn't cashmere, but it was a really soft coat. And that was a hug like I haven't had in a long, long time. And uh, so yeah, we kind of took our time coming home. And next day we went over to the river, and um, he gave me his fraternity pin, and we started talking about getting there. So, I love it. I was late getting back to college, needless to say. I had to ride a bus. So I got in after curfew in those days. They closed the doors at 10 o'clock. So I had to sleep in my friend's car the next morning. But I was okay because I had my turn.
0: You had your forever man at that <laughs> point. I had my forever. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sweet mama, thank you for sharing that story. So, real quick before Sir comes back into the room. We asked him, on your wedding day, what was the thing that stood out most to you? What was like your most prominent memory about the wedding day?
2: Uh, The wedding day itself, that is for me a very, very easy question. Um, I got dressed at the church, and um, you probably remember that the day before, I didn't know if my mother was coming to the wedding. And so she was there. She was beautiful. She helped me get dressed. Thank you, Aunt Lil. And um, we opened the door. My bridesmaid was there. Annie was there, and, and Carla, and my mother. And we opened the door for me to go down the aisle. And there was my dad, up in a white summer tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Now think about it. We're in Cleveland, Mississippi. In August and he had gone to Memphis and rented a white tuxedo for my wedding so he was coming all along <laughs> he was coming and he was dressed to the nuns. my goodness he was fine looking in that white tux <laughs> and I started crying and I don't think I stopped through the whole thing Um, So I I think probably the night before when I left for the rehearsal, I could just kind of hear my dad saying, Okay, now, Mama, we're going to go to that wedding. (laughs) Get in there and get yourself dressed. Get yourself dressed. We're going to that wedding. And my golly, they did, and they were splendid. (laughs) Splendid. Yes. And that was one
0: part just for the cousins who aren't able to attend today but might listen later on. Um, The reason that they didn't come to the wedding, will you talk about or were initially why you thought they might not come? Will you talk about that just really briefly?
2: Um, That's kind of a long conversation because it was a process. You know, Sarah was uh, was Catholic. And going back to the spring, um, I had started taking instructions to become a Catholic. And um, and that was a really good thing for me at the time it really brought me much closer to God. it gave me um, and again, you know when i when I saw uh, sir's total devotion to his church, um, I experienced his love of others and um, in his love of God. I don't know anybody that loves God any more than service and um, so that that was very powerful for me so It wasn't hard for me to say, yes, I do want to raise my children in the same faith that he's in because it's so powerful. Um, I had a a really strong faith of my own, but this seemed to be like uh, hot fudge on top of a Sunday. So I started taking instructions. I wrote a letter to my parents saying that I was going to become a Catholic, and that was quite a scene at Easter time. Um, My mother's crying and I'm crying, and then once again, my dad I never heard him swear ever, except that one day. And, and we got a, you know, a GD call a spade a spade. If you're going to be a Catholic, be one. Mm-hmm. Don't come back. Be one. Mm-hmm. Stand up and be one. And that's all we're going to say about this. Mm-hmm. And that conversation was over. So my mother and father had never even been in the Catholic church ever. So the night of the rehearsal, I'm not expecting them anywhere. Aunt Lil had gone down and gotten a couple of dresses, hats, out on approval in place. He decided to go. And um, we were starting the rehearsal, and all of a sudden, Father Hanley, in his deep Irish accent, says, Mrs. Dalton, why don't you come in now, Mrs. Dalton? And I turned around, and my mom and dad were standing in the church and again she was radiant and um they came down the aisle and he says well, mrs dalton you sit here and from that time on no one has loved us or been more wonderful particularly to dick you know d and pop both just really really loved him and they used to kind of laugh and they would say well at least i know that one of my children's going to church that was <laughs> the way they reacted to thing. and um and then, you know, watching my children grow up and having um, their life centered in, in a church, in a Christian environment was very important to them yes. and therefore important to me. So, um,
0: yeah. Well, Sweet Mama, thank you for sharing that part of the story. I think uh, for all of us, especially nowadays, it's important to have that reminder that love is not always easy and it requires sacrifice sometimes um, and compromise, I think probably most importantly of all. And
2: um, and I think it, I think that's true. I think both of those things are true, but I also think that um, it's kind of like, like Pop said, stand up and and say what you believe and then commit to it. Commitment, you know, say it and do it. And um, I kind of hesitate, particularly when all of you were younger, to tell that story, because I guess I was a little bit rebellious. I didn't think I was, but I think in some kind of ways I was just kind of doing my thing. And um, but I, I but I also know that I grew up when I was very young, and I, and I took a lot of responsibility for myself when I was very young. And so I was an old twenty two year old um, when when I did get married. I, I had had a lot of life experience and made a lot of commitments. Mm-hmm. Um That I knew if I followed through to the end, things would be better. you know a commitment to get a college degree, you know things like that that took a lot of money and a lot of work and a lot of um, loneliness uh, and yet I knew that at the end of that, if I stayed with that commitment, um, I would be true to myself number one that 's the big thing I learned I think is that I could be um to myself and, and what I believed and what I wanted out of life. Mm-hmm. and uh, what I wanted was Dick Newman and the happy family
0: <laughs> Amen to that one
2: Yeah Should I get him back you think? Let's go get the groom Let's hope he's not taking a nap somewhere <laughs> and there are a few cookies he might be into those <laughs>
0: Henry Henry Oh Y'all are so well behaved over here, everybody's muted. <laughs> it's a little lonely.
1: <laughs>
0: Miss you guys.
2: I want you to know how much he loves all of you. Is there is a tennis match, a, a golf match going on right now? He's actually coming back in. Oh, wow. That's how much he you. <laughs> this is an honor. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We won't keep him too long then. We promise. So we uh, figured, Sweet Mama, I think when we had talked it over with you, we will try to do these twice a month. If, if that that's...
2: Yeah, if that's not too much. You know, people have things to do on Sunday and
1: um, you know, I like to I like to
2: pretend that oh, Hi Sarah. Yeah, you know, we've just had dinner, all of us, you know. Had maybe Sarah's so excited to be back. Hi Sarah <laughs> Yeah. I like to pretend that that's what's happening now. We're just sitting around talking out on the porch.
1: Yes.
2: Have you been
1: ready? <laughs> Has dad been drinking?
2: Uh, no, not hardly. It's kind of early. <laughs> came back happier. <laughs> kind of early
1: for him. I gave up drinking. Relance. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. <laughs>
0: For this next part, I figure just so that we're respectful of everybody's time tonight, maybe what we'll do is go ahead and open the floor to people. You ha- A lot of stories were shared in the last 30 minutes or so, um, and I think that it would be great to hear questions from the peanut gallery if anyone has... <laughs> Anyone has questions for Sweet Mama and Sir, uh, we'll go ahead and keep everyone muted, except for those of you who have questions. So I see a hand from Aunt Katie. We're going to go ahead and unmute her, and then uh, we will have her ask the question. So without further ado, Aunt Katie.
2: Is it working?
0: Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I was wondering if you could... Please, ha- I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a private helicopter?
2: Sir? A private helicopter? For I have, I have, I personally have not, but I know of someone a in helicopter. that has a helicopter.
0: I can't hear you. I think I can't hear you. Yeah, maybe lean in a little bit closer. There you go. Oh, uh,
1: okay. I'll just, uh, I, I have been in a, a few helicopters.
0: Can you tell us the story?
1: Tell to lean to his
2: left. Lean to your left. There
1: you go. That's my, can... uh, that's my right. Can you hear better now?
0: Yes.
1: Can you hear better now? Yes. Oh, okay. Good.
2: Can you tell us the story?
1: I have I have a few different stories. Um, I can tell you about my uh, hip surgery story. Is that the one you're thinking about? Yes. Okay. Well. uh, Years ago, when I first, uh, when I was selling surgical stapling instruments, um, the company that I worked for was uh, importing a a, a total hip prosthesis from Russia. And uh, it uh, had some uh, unique features, which were really quite good. And so I... And the way it, we would sell them is we talked to the doctor, and uh, if he wanted to use one, then uh, I would go into the operating room with him and uh, do uh, do this. Uh, you know, watch while he did the surgery, and when it came time, I would put uh, give him the hip. It was all sterilized and everything, and I explained to him what to do, and then he would do it. And so I was, uh, had a doctor from Memphis who was interested in doing this and uh, he used a hospital in uh, Arkansas and um, I was in the operating room with him and he had prepared the patient. She was laying there on the table and he said, okay, we're ready for the prosthesis. So I said, okay, doctor, the prosthesis is ready for you. And I gave it to him, but they had autoclaved it to sterilize. It. And because it had a plastic lining, when they autoclaved it, it drew the lining out of arrangement and they couldn't use the hip. So now I have a lady laying on the table with her hip sliced open and uh, no hip prosthesis to put in. I said, however, doctor, I have some in my house over on the other side of the river. He said, well, he said, it just turns out that I'm the uh, physician for the uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol. And I'll have them fly, bring a helicopter over to the hospital. Get in the helicopter, go get the hip and bring it back and I'll put it in. So sure enough, about five minutes, a helicopter showed up out at the hospital. Right next door to where I was parked, actually. (laughs) So I had my scrub suit on. But I, I put on my business coat over that and I walked out past the waiting room where the family of the mother who's been sliced open is, um, they're all waiting and they didn't know me and who I was. So I walked right out and uh, got in the helicopter, and flew over the Mississippi River, flew over Memphis, on the side of town where we live, And there was a golf course out there not far from my house in you know, a mile. And uh, the helicopter ended on the golf course, right in the middle of it. And, two, uh, and one Memphis highway uh, patrol car drove right out of the Memphis to the helicopter. And I jumped in the police car They took me to my house. Meantime, I called my mother, and I asked her to go up to the attic and get my supply of hips. She brought them down. I put them in. (laughs) She didn't quite know what I was doing, but I didn't have time to explain it to her. (laughs) I said, Mom, just just help me out here. So so she did. And... um, back in police car they drove me back to the golf course i got back in the helicopter they flew me back over to the hospital I got out of the helicopter walked back in i had just come from right past the family and i gave them one of those no i didn't and then I, and then i walked in gave them to the uh, the doctor the nurse and she These were all steel to steel. So uh, you didn't have to worry about autoclaving, sterilizing plastic. They wouldn't, you know. And so they sterilized them. And uh, now we're in there. He had just covered her over and kind of kept it moist. And he put the hip in. And then I waited till the end just in case everything was okay and it turned out fine. So um, he uh, throughout all of this guy was absolutely calm. He didn't didn't get frustrated or anything. And uh, as opposed to me, who <laughs> did get frustrated, but it worked out fine. And about a week later, I saw him in the hospital. He said, um, Newman, he said that uh, that lady's doing just fine. She's, uh, the surgery went very well. And I saw him a few months later, and he said she's back and up and walking and, uh, and all. It was really worked out very well. So um, that's one helicopter ride that I will never forget. <laughs> no
0: kidding. I I would say you're probably one of, well, probably the only person in the world that has some story like that of how they ended up in a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so so I don't know how to do this uh, without it being a non sequitur. But um, the next question on our list is who caught the first fish on the honeymoon? So, if we can find a way to make that an organic transition. (laughs) (laughs) I I would be curious to know. Oh, wait, Sweet Mama, we can't hear you. Maybe you lean in a little bit.
2: I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say we both did because what we did was we got a great big milk jug and we tied a great big hook on it and we threw it off of the dock and um and during the night uh we got a great old big catfish on it so i would say we both caught it that's impressive (laughs) did you eat it can you eat catfish Uh, but not if you can't cook
0: yeah yeah that's fair (laughs) so this one comes from clarabeth and i think it's a great question uh, feel free to take turns answering it. But she wants to know what it has been like to love the same person for 60 years. Has Sweet Mama or Sir changed since high school or have they stayed the same?
1: Oh, let's see. Uh, Sweet Mama, why did you answer that? I know, but
2: you're serious. <laughs> 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 uh, his roommate, Joe Nassif, from uh, Clarksville, Mississippi, told me right before our wedding. He said, "He said, you know, Dinky, all I can tell you is it's going to be really an interesting ride." And uh, yeah, I I would say that um, pretty much things have have stayed the same. Um, in in that um, we we both we come at things differently, but we end up in the same place every time, and and it, it's just uh, very very funny. Um, but I, I think mostly thing That has remained absolutely constant is I. We're just, you're just funny. You're just a funny person. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'd throw you uh, out. Uh,
1: <laughs> but, uh,
0: the old swamp fox, he's got quite a reputation.
1: The <laughs> swamp fox. But, uh, you know, like, seriously, In in our relationship, uh, we just have never really uh, gotten into any any or any fights. Well, I guess I'm wrong about that. Well, (laughs) (laughs)
2: this
1: is why we take turns, you know. It didn't. Take very long to, for that one to get corrected. <laughs> now did <dead> it, kids. <laughs> Go ahead, finish up what I was going to say. <laughs> Just tell, I want to know the one time I was wrong. That's all.
2: Oh, <laughs> no.
0: Okay, Sarah, I've got a way we can redeem ourselves. What is your favorite thing about sweet mama?
1: Um, well I would say that um, she's one of the most uh, she is the most organized person uh, painfully organized (laughs) that, uh, that I know
2: yeah.
0: I like that. I would say that's true too.
1: I like that too. Uh, it has its problems, but uh, we're not gonna discuss those problems, are we?
0: <laughs> no. Sweet mama, what is one of your favorite things about Sarah? Uh
2: Besides just sense of humor? Um. Yeah. I
0: can't we maybe lean in a little bit. Carries,
2: every one of you right
0: your Yeah. I like that. We've got another one from Emma, another qu- hot a question hot off the press here. Which what is the story when you found out that you were having your first baby? Do you remember when you were pregnant with Aunt Aaron all those years ago?
2: I can't remember being married without having Aunt Erin. Aunt Aaron just has been always there, just always there, you know, from barfing in the morning to, you know, just Ballooning up. I got hit with a golf ball when I was pregnant with her. You know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Erin is who she is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think um, for me, that's it. You know, that, the, the dream was marrying a So when we found out that we were having Erin, it, uh, it was just joy was kind of the, the way things were going to happen.
0: <laughs> sweet Mama, can we, can we hear the golf ball story? Did sir swing the club that made you get hit by a golf ball? <laughs> Wait, we may have to have you lean in again. If she leans into the center. Yes, yeah, Sweet Mama, sorry. Do you mind restarting and just leaning into the center? Sorry. Oh, nope. Maybe closer to Sura. Closer
2: your
1: Sura.
2: Okay, day. golf ball story. Um, I was eight and a half months pregnant with Erin. Um, the day we were married, I weighed 93. Um, the day I was going to play golf or walk the golf course with Sir, I weighed 140. <laughs> So I was quite large with child and um, the fact that we don't have disagreements. uh, You can imagine that I'm weighing 140 and expecting a baby in a couple of weeks and my husband is going to play golf. Mm. There was no argument. Now, it would be good for you to come and walk. So. Okay, I'll come walk the golf course. So that's what we did. Played golf. I walked along the side. So I'm standing on the side of the fairway and we hear four! And I looked up and the guy on the next fairway over had hit a ball and caught me right in my big belly. And dropped me. And so there we were. And Still didn't feel real good about that whole day. I had the imprint of a golf ball, you know, right on Aaron's head. And um yeah. So we came home bruised and battered and quite silent for a couple of days and um and then it passed and so did Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> we we're lucky she didn't go
0: into labor right there on the golf course.
1: Yeah. I I wanted I. See, I'd like to tell you about, uh, I'd like to answer Emma's question Mm -hmm. because um, it it was, uh, you know, our our first child and uh, we we really weren't expecting her to be arriving so soon. You know, we could have had a couple of years, we could have, you know, made a buck or two. (laughs) and and, uh, so it it was uh, uh, really a a very exciting time and and being interested in medicine I was particularly interested in how the baby was settling in her tummy and how she was feeling and uh, and, uh, we didn't have a lot started off and uh, so we went through a few months where uh, we would have uh, a couple of eggs and some toast and that would be about supper and uh, and, and so to go through all of that but she was uh, so positive about all it, in spite of the of the uh discomfort that she was having and you're having now Emma I'm sure and uh, I would almost I took almost as good a care of her as I see Bruna taking care of Emma now you know I couldn't find that um, how I could let her tie her shoestrings together Till she got this unbelievable gift from from her husband, and uh, it made her so happy. And uh, I think he's not pregnant now, but we could use that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> for me.
2: <laughs> I will. I will give you one more pregnancy story, but when I do I don't recommend this for any of you ladies. Uh, I don't even recommend it for any of you men. Um, but about a week before Aaron was born, it was hot day in the Mississippi, and sir was at work. I was bored out of my mind, and I started thinking about um, growing up. My mother was a great maker, and she would make her batter. And Wait, he Mama, had, in the middle.
0: Sorry, a little bit in the middle. There you go. Perfect. A little closer to Sarah.
2: Closer to Sarah. was trying to get me close to Sir. Uh, yeah. So um, she would she would make the cake batter, which I loved passionately. Kind of like all of you like cookie batter. I loved cake batter, and my mother would scrape the bowl and the beaters till there was really nothing but shiny bowl left, and then she would give it to me and say, "Okay, now you can lick the bowl." And if I just loved it, but I never got enough of it. So I'm sitting there this early May afternoon watching soap operas. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll make a cake. So I did, and I will eat the batter. And so I did. And I ate cake batter until it was drooling down my chin and I was slopping around in this cake batter. I've never done that again, I would say. <laughs> But it did contribute to my uh, swelling and weight loss, know, that's what I can say. So, you know, you just have to really rein in a little bit. Oh, I love that.
0: And I think that's actually an excellent story to end on. Uh, Hopefully it gave everybody a good laugh as we uh, are signing off here tonight. Sweet Mama, sorry, if you want to scoot a little closer to Sarah, there you go. Okay.
2: okay. I have a little subway of saying goodbye to everybody, yeah, and um, we will um, meet again. Uh, you can have feedback to my production staff if you'd like to for the for the, um, Sweet Sarah Radio Hour, have, have changes you'd like to make, suggestions, whatever. But I will say we are so grateful that you have joined us this Sunday afternoon for the Radio Hour and um and as we leave we want to tell you that um we miss all. that it's been a very hard year that we can't reach out and touch each other so when i was at home in mississippi and, and sir was taking a train to memphis on sunday afternoons going back to cbc this is what we would play and this is what i think of you